You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of the Comedian's Comedian podcast is proud to be brought to you in conjunction with Mike Babiglia's new show at the Leicester Square Theatre, The New One. I saw this show at the Montreal Comedy Festival last year and I genuinely think it's his best. I'm an enormous fan of Mike. I'm hoping to get him on the podcast soon. If you're not familiar with him, you might know him as the star of Sleepwalk With Me, which was a film that he wrote and directed himself and performed in, which was based on uh, a brilliant stand-up show of his. Uh, His more recent shows were called Thank God for Jokes. You might know him from the Lonely Island movie Pop Star Never Stop Stopping. Uh, You might know him from Orange is the New Black or Girls. He is just absolutely fantastic. And he's coming to London this June with his show The New One. The first show has already sold out. Tickets are selling fast for the 9th of June at Leicester. Square Theatre and you can pick up those tickets from rabbitrabbitcomedy.com I cannot stress to you how much I love Mike Babiglia. The last couple, of, I, I very, like Maria, I have had near misses with booking him recently uh, over the last couple of years and I'm really hoping to nab him this time but whether I manage to or not do not miss out. Go to rabbitrabbitcomedy.com and get your tickets to see him on the 9th of June at Leicester Square Theatre. The show is called The New One, and once you've seen it, we can have a very exciting chat about it in the Facebook group. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and this is The Comedian's Comedian, the only podcast about comedy. So today I'm going to be speaking to Maria Bamford. As many of you will know, I have been trying to get hold of Maria for an interview for some years now. I very nearly snagged her at the Montreal Comedy Festival. We nearly managed to meet up at the LA Podfest and now I am able finally to bring you this conversation with her, um, which was recorded at a hotel in London who made me pay for the privilege of using their meeting room for an hour. So out of sheer snark, I'm going to give thanks once again to Angel Comedy, who let me use their brilliant podcasting space for the Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson episodes that came out last week. So thanks to Angel Comedy and boo to you, Anonymous London Hotel. Now, if you're not familiar with Maria Bamford, what can we say about her? You might know her Netflix special, Lady Dynamite, which was one of the most innovative ways to take the life of a comedian and do... I mean, there's the classic... This is Seinfeld. He's a comedian. We don't see him doing comedy, but this is a sitcom about his life. And that has been much mimicked. But Lady Dynamite is a completely fresh and original take on it. I first discovered her material. I think I I first heard people at the Edinburgh Festival years ago telling me that I was an idiot to have missed her. And uh, her stuff is on Spotify. You can buy it from her website. You can buy it wherever you buy your comedy. 
it is just an absolute joy to see someone so flexible as i as i say to her and she <laughs> squeals with delight um she is just everything i want from a comedian her rhythm is impeccable her writing and her writing choices are superb her choice of subject and her meshing together of subject matter with kind of a, a framing the way that she fra- uh, listen I, I could go on about her all day but there's no point I don't need to because this is me actually speaking to her um if you haven't heard any of her stuff before um then I highly recommend you press pause now and listen to or watch old baby on Netflix uh, her most recent stand-up special which is again as uniquely filmed uh, as all of her stuff the special 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 which is her doing an hour-long set to her parents in her own living room I mean you get the picture she's incredibly innovative incredibly imaginative um and we will get into some pretty uh, big chat as well. I should warn you now uh, about mental health. She is uh, bipolar type 2 and has spent some time in an institution and we talk about that. But also I would simply say that it's a wide-ranging conversation that takes in a variety of topics related to mental health. So if you are concerned that you may become upset by discussion of those topics, then please proceed with caution. That said... I am so pleased to, at long last, bring you this conversation with the absolutely wonderful Maria Bamford. Tell me about London. You've well. Tell me about Edinburgh. This is your. I, I read that this is your London debut. These shows yes, at the Leicester Square yes. Theatre, and that you were last in Edinburgh something like twelve years ago. Twelve years. Yeah. What was your experience of that? Well, I I did it. Brian Hennigan, uh, probably like. Tw- 15 years ago, it did, came for just two weeks. And that was super, super fun because I was just doing feature sets. Okay. And so it was hilarious fun. I stayed in Brian, Brian Hannigan's apartment in Scotland, who now he lives in Los Angeles. Then I came for the month. And <laughs> I also probably was not doing super well. Um, I needed to be on a different set of medications. I found out uh, mood stabilizers. And it was rough mm. um i uh yeah it's just the the schedule of shows is just so intense and then uh and then the reviews are so beautifully written uh, uh, <laughs> and that's something Americans aren't used to. Well, yeah, they didn't used to review shows at all. Now they yeah. have started doing I'm that. I'm sorry, I feel like that's our fault. No, no, no. <laughs> well, it was so delightful in that it was like, oh, oh, the, we're listed along next to strip shows and and karaoke yeah, in the U.S. Okay. Like it wasn't considered an art form, and then um, so I think the hard thing is when it's beautifully written and it's a bad review. You're like, oh god, they're right. Like, yeah. and it wasn't. I didn't get a bad review, but oh. I'm just, oh, no, 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 we can, as we talk about bad reviews, guy. a bin lorry well. has driven up outside, reversed by beeping, and is now about to make a series of banging noises, which well, is and I think perfectly it's a apt. fair point. I mean, <laughs> I think uh, uh, what I'm about to say is uh, could be thrown in the trash. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think... Uh, one reviewer said I was apolitical or could have gotten more deeply into uh, my political beliefs because it was too uh, unclear of what I was trying to say in in my act. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, yes. You are totally right about that. So it it actually was helpful because I was like, oh, maybe criticism is is 
actually very helpful, you know, really? to the process. I try and ignore all of them. Well, I I think, um, yeah, I think I'd like to use it. Because if somebody's uh, gone to think about my stuff for a while, uh, I appreciate that. And... Um, and I read reviews of other things, like of films and stuff like that, and enjoy reading reviews. So why not use it if I don't agree with it um, or or I think, oh, yeah, that's true, and I don't care, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, okay. that is a more, that's a more mature attitude, I think, than mine. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think I'm sticking my fingers in my ears. Yeah, because I... I had uh, somebody, a couple of people on Facebook uh, contact me who were fans and said, oh, I saw your show in Eugene, Oregon, and you just seemed kind of spacey and like uh, like the show was, and I just, I felt really disappointed. And I was like, oh, you people. And then I was like, okay, listen to the set and see if what they said is right, you know, or has any merit to it. Because it's like it was two different people. And, and usually I don't... Yeah, I mean, not that I'm the greatest, but uh, just uh, I think my my the people who like my stuff are also on air on the side of it's so great that you're alive. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. We know that you're fragile, which I, I don't see myself as fragile. But sometimes that word is used to describe me, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm tough as nails. Um, I think it's because I, I tremor um, uncontrollably, but that's the brand weakness. Well, um. <laughs> we'll get on. To, we'll get on to that. That was absolutely. That was my. That's my first kind of pegged sort of starting point. We'll we'll certainly get to that. But um, oh, so they, and so I went back and I listened to the set and I was like, oh my god, they were completely spot on. Like I. Not that I did a terrible job, but I was kind of um, riding off the goodwill of the audience and not uh, putting on a, a show. You know, you've got to put on a show. Uh, like, uh, not mumble. I mean, right now I'm I'm very good at stuttering and mumbling. Uh, it's quite a gift. I received it from my father, and um, I'm bringing it on into the next generation. But I won't have children because I'm barren. Um, but, uh, yeah. To, that means I need to, uh, and, and even as I go, grow older, it may need, mean that I need to rehearse more. I may need to tighten it up. I mean, especially if I'm doing new material, just pace it up, uh, speed, speed it up uh, so that um, uh, at least to create the uh, uh, perception that I'm not stumbling. To... Uh, it, and so I really actually appreciated the criticism. I sent them their money back, and because um, I was like, "Yeah, that's that blows." Uh, no, I I don't know if yeah no. So I appreciated it. Um, um, now, of course, uh, I, <laughs> if that's the business model I'm operating, you know, I'm I'm grateful that the 800 people who were there didn't ask for their money back because. <laughs> Uh, well, we already spent it on the dogs. Um, but, um, yeah, but I, I do value that someone cares enough to say something. If, if it is criticism like, that blows, or please don't talk about that, or um, one, one lady said I did too much grunting in my act, and I was like, 
well, that's clearly on you. <laughs> <laughs> there is some grunting, but you know, there's like too much is a very that's that is a parameter that is yet to be yeah. decided. And, and what, she doesn't get to decide the level of the well, what if I mean that's what I'm going for. Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> Talk to me then about this. That's one of the I mean that's for me, I thought of the show I saw a couple of nights ago in, in Leicester Square Theatre, and I, I saw you in Montreal last year yeah. and recognised some elements yeah, yeah. of it. We might talk about the differences and how the, how the set has developed, how the psych ward stuff has kind yeah. of developed and been edited and yeah. stuff. But that was the in the show I saw two nights ago. That first moment of weakness is the brand yeah. was that it was the first punchline that had a, a cheer accompanied. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, like, it was yeah. almost like a kind of. I don't know what it was like a chess move. Yeah, yeah, joke, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like joke, joke, joke. This is funny. We all get it. Bang! This is Maria. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about that because it seems it has such a delicious kind of perversity yeah. to it, whereby it is weakness is the brand. And yeah, Just yeah, talk, yeah. I don't know what the question is, but yeah. talk to me about weakness being the brand. Well, and I think that's true. Of, I mean, I I think that's true of a lot of artists, you know, where it's like you don't go out to see someone live uh, so that you, I mean, I guess you do go out to see something stupendous like Cirque du Soleil. You go, oh, I hope nobody dies. Uh, but you don't go, oh, God, that's amazing. I could never do that. But if it's a personality, you want to see, see them, you know. So I, I think, uh, you know, that isn't... Um, yeah, you want to see the human part of them um, on some level. Of course, that's the direct opposite of what I just said. Of uh, <laughs> <laughs> tighten it up, Bamford. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, and I just I think that is because uh, I, I as I get older and I do become uh, less more vulnerable physically. I'm probably. Uh, not as fast, not as, uh, you know, certainly not physically as, uh, you know, I don't wear the cloak of youth. Um, you know, then uh, uh, <laughs> I've got to be honest with uh, uh, what I have. And, you know, hopefully or I, I've always found or maybe I've just read it so many times in O Magazine, Oprah's um, magazine, um, that, uh, you know, it is... It's your weakness that uh, that people are. What's your worst fear, or your what you think your greatest weakness is, is actually your greatest gift. You know, like that the thing that I think is going to disgust everybody the most, uh, or uh, make it impossible for me to work, is actually uh, has turned out <laughs> has turned out to be a huge cash cow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting that you sort of couch that in reference to Oprah's magazine mm-hmm. because presumably that has been a part of your act and a part of your understanding of your act for longer. Yes, yeah, I mean yes. that means yeah, that yeah. it's it's that's more meaningful to you than a kind of magazine soundbite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To- yes, yeah, yeah. Like. I, uh, well, and you're all, I mean, all artists are trying to, you know, make sense of the, the world that you're living in or try to keep living in it in a way that feels meaningful. And, uh, and I definitely find, I mean, I don't, I would love, I, hopefully I'll listen to podcasts from your podcast channel. Cause I did, I didn't know about it. Um, uh, cause I don't know what's going on in the world. Um, but about how to continue creating things when there is a sense of nihilism. Like in the United States right now, it's just so 
brutal. You know, it's just like, oh, wow, it really doesn't matter. And I don't know, maybe it does. I keep calling my (laughs) congressmen and senators. I keep marching whenever there's a march. I I kind of, I I wish someone would stand up and and maybe it's going to, it should be me or comedians. I always feel like people don't take comedic premises seriously as genuine possible policy. Because uh, you know, I've, <laughs> I've heard so much great. This is one um, American community who suggested sending a marching band, a high school marching band into any uh, foreign conflict. And I was like, because they're so positive. And, <laughs> and um, I was like, that's not a oh, bad idea. It's yeah. not... I think it might be less expensive. I think it's hilarious. I don't. I don't think it's. You know. I just think some of these premises could be. Uh, you know. Yeah. Things like instead of Guantanamo Bay, I. I. This is a joke from a long time ago, but you know, to put people to work. Uh, uh, you know, as radio DJs or something that might be genuinely irritating to them, like that they wouldn't want to choose. Or. Oh, I'm sorry. I've lost track. Of That's quite all right. You mentioned the nihilism with, yes. with reference yes. to kind of politics in American yeah. life. But I think one of the reasons that you are not just uh, enjoyed by your audience, but championed and loved by your audience is your kind of visible conflict with nihilism. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, when yeah, you yeah. say weakness is the brand, I think what we're cheering, why I laughed, I think, was <laughs> because it was a sort of like, you're kind of reappropriating your weakness and turning it into a strength. And, you know, and the fact that it is spoken through the language of entertainment and kind of the grubbier bits of it, the brand, you know, it was like, yes, it is great. You get that and you own it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wonder wonder the extent to which your your visible weakness or our perception of your weakness reflects how you feel about yourself, whether you feel... Do you feel vulnerable or weak on stage, or do you feel powerful on stage? Yeah, uh, well, I think it's... Yeah, it's just a mix of it. I mean, it depends. I, I know that it is a very... Uh, I am completely dependent on the context of the audience already being on board. I'm completely... <laughs> That's a unbelievably yeah. grateful that they are there. I, I have no, uh, what is, um, I can't remember that word, fantasies or whatever, that, oh, it's because I, I I rock the house. No, 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 no. It is because the right people were there at the right time, you know, because I, I can bomb anywhere <laughs> at any time uh, very hard, um, despite my... Uh, my swagger and my confidence. And people will be confused for a little while because they're like, she seems so confident about being terrible. These sentences and, are so <laughs> densely written. Yeah, yeah. Why aren't they making me laugh? She, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, then there will be uh, some some talk uh, or uh, people asking me to get off stage, either uh, amongst themselves in a passive way or, or, or directly. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's... Uh, I, I'm... I think that's what comedy, or at least for me, has changed a lot. Uh, I don't know if it's as a result of fame or if it's a result of the the internet and uh, people being able to find things that are specific. You know, mm-hmm. people going, oh, the YouTube things before they go now, or I do. You know, I go, oh, am I going to enjoy this? Let me take a look at that, you know, before mm-hmm. I spend uh, 30 bucks going to see something. Um, and 
because it used to be more of a trap. You'd go to comedy and it would be like, oh, no, <laughs> like, or whatever it is, you know, any kind of music or, or, or dance or something. And, and uh, now you can research and avoid, which can be a good thing and kind of be a bad, you know, because you have less surprises, I guess, yes. of discovering yes. something. I, I think when people come to see you, one of the and it is it's that thing about you being our champion. Yeah. And I said the same thing to Jackie Cation. In yeah, fact, yeah. I interviewed oh, Jackie a couple of years Jack. ago, and she she is like a different type of champion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very similar yeah, energy, yeah, yeah. And very, like a parallel kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think um, I think that when we come to see you, we are you know we're watching you triumph. I, I have only seen you in environments where everyone was loving you. Right. So I, I, I am trying to imagine, you know, I suppose, looking <laughs> at Go old... to a pub later on tonight. Yeah, right. and, uh... <laughs> I, I'm watching Old Baby, your, yeah, yeah, your yeah, Netflix yeah. special. That You've got this fascinating device of performing the material initially to yourself in the mirror and then to a small number of people, sort of increasing numbers of people in odd situations. So I can imagine, like, seeing you do that, that must have been so weird to do the material to yourself in the mirror. Oh, no, that's how I rehearsed it Is a that lot. really? Yes, okay. yeah. So that's actually a very comfortable place for me to be. Like, I felt feel very uh, joyful and creative uh, actually doing it just to myself. It feels very safe. Um, I did that a lot as a kid. I would perform things to myself in a mirror. So, um yeah, or one or two people, anything theatrical, I'm totally down with it. And that was a super safe experience. Like, um, I find it much, uh, yeah, much more, uh, uh, well, and I, I just want to say the, the premise behind that, uh, doing the special that way, that way was context, was mm-hmm. how, like, people will, I have a dear friend who the first time I met her, and uh, she asked what I did, it was a comedian, she was, she says, she tells the story. So this is how she tells the story. I met Maria and I was like, you say you're a comedian. Oh man. All right. Well, good luck. I mean, she does. I mean, she seemed nice, but it's kind of old to be a comedian. And then I saw her in an open mic and she was okay. And I thought, well, you know, good for her. And then I saw her at a bookstore and there were people who liked her. And I was like, Wow. That she's getting good. And then I saw her on a TV show, and you, you've got something. <laughs> it's like the same jokes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the exact same joke. <laughs> you just go, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's, it's almost it's reflective of that thing of when an audience feels comfortable. It's one of those things about low ceilings in comedy. Yeah, clubs. yeah. Hey, we can all hear ourselves laughing. Yeah, yeah. I'm giving myself permission to laugh. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting by the end of, of Old Baby, when you are performing in a much more usual Netflix yeah, special yeah, 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 context. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what I mean is a theatre show. Yeah, Context yeah, for some yeah. reason. It's not yeah. like Netflix and got yeah, yeah. the, uh, the copyright for that. But it, it's sort of almost jarring because we've now got such an intimate relationship yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah. We really get a sense of that. Like, oh, why are you sharing this with everyone? everyone? <laughs> <laughs> we thought it was a secret. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. But, but I think it's, beca- you know, it's clearly becoming less of a secret. If you look at, I remember hearing about you. I was at Edinburgh the year that you were there most recently. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a, a few of them recently. And um, I remember hearing, it was one of those kind of buzz things where comics are going, oh, have you seen Mary Bunker? You know, there, oh, there was that sort of uh, nice. experience. Um, you're clearly in a very different place in your career now to yeah. where you were then. Like, it, it's kind of been, 
I don't know, things can be, things be meteoric over 10, 15 or 20 no. years? I mean, it's certainly there has been a phenomenal upward kind of incline. Well, and I think that's like the, the because of the internet, you know, all that stuff, I think there's just so much more. And I've heard it about comics here. They say there's just so much more work and so much, like there's less of that. Um, uh, it, 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 there's self-empowerment. I mean, I heard about the Bill Murray Theater where mm-hmm. a bunch of comics bought their own space. Like... And you can make your own show and become become your own show without asking anybody to, to do it. And that is, um, and, and yeah, so I, which gives me hope about the future, whether or not I, you know, uh, continue uh, to get work. You know, I can create my own work, which is very uh, uh, hopeful and exciting. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think... Uh, yeah, I've, I, I feel so lucky. It's been a very uh, a surprising late in life boon. So this is Maria. You can hear, it's another one, like the Patton Oswalt one. It, it's just one where you can hear the glee in my voice. She is one of my very favourite comics and I just cannot get enough of her stuff. She She just takes comedy to another level. And in saying that, I realise she won't be everybody's cup of tea, but please find out and please spend some time. Now, that sounds disingenuous, doesn't it? I don't mean it to. i tell you what I'm referring to. Um, you know that the Acaster specials came out uh, on Netflix, all four of them, repertoire, and I, I really recommend you get stuck into those. Someone on the Facebook group said, lots of people going, whoa, it's Acaster Day and celebrating. Someone on the Facebook group said something a bit disparaging about them which is not really how we operate in the Comedians Comedian Facebook group. And as a result, a lot of people, it wasn't quite a pile-on, but a lot of people did various fun versions of, come on, mate, read the room. And lo and behold, the next day or a couple of days later, this gentleman apologised and wrote a really lovely post saying, look, I watched the specials, I watched the first one in the wrong environment. I was with a bunch of mates. We were only half concentrating on it and we all got sort of bantery about, you know, not enjoying it. And actually, he said, uh, he went on to say he really values the, the community, the kindred spirits of, uh, of the ComCom community in the Facebook group. And so he really regretted it and he deleted the post. And there's been like 150 likes of that post. Everyone has just jumped on and gone, thank you for apologising on the internet. So that is the spirit in which I say, look, not all comedy is for everyone. But please, you owe it to yourself if you're any kind of comedy fan to check out Maria Bamford's work. Now, enough of that, because I know a lot of you uh, will be listening to this from the point of view of already being a deep, committed and lifelong fan. A joy to talk to her. Uh, We will go back into that conversation in just a second. If you'll allow me a tiny plug for my own stand-up comedy tour, which, I mean, I, I know I mention it frequently, but the reason I do that is people get in touch with me to say, hey, are you coming to my town? But I've literally just been in Nottingham two weeks ago. So if you would like to come and see the show, I will I will big up the next few places that are coming up on the, uh, on the tour. Uh, we have got on the 27th of April, Reading South Street Arts Centre, Corsham Pound Arts Centre on the 28th of April, on the 4th of May, if you happen to be in a particular town in Wales, you can see me there, and I'm doing a huge room and it's half full 
full. So that is really exciting. I, I'm, I've already sold more tickets than I ever have there before. But we really bit off more than we could chew on the size of the room. So fill your boots. I'm also going to be doing a redacted at that Mystery Welsh Festival. So get along to that. That I, I'm hatching a plot for that. And I think it's going to be a particularly special redacted, even by our very special standards. The 11th of May, the Hen and Chickens in Bristol at the Comedy Box. Fantastic. The 12th of May, the Rondo Theatre in Bath. 16th, Epic Studios in Norwich. 18th, the Royal and Derngate in Northampton. And the 19th, I'm going to be at Warwick Arts Centre, which, as we all know, is actually in Coventry. Henry Tudor House on the 20th in Shrewsbury. Swindon Arts Centre on the 23rd. Farnham Maltings on the 26th. And on the 30th of May, I will be at the Westie, the West End Centre in Aldershot, which is always one of my very favourite places to return to. They really care about their comedy and they really nurture and cultivate an excellent comedy audience. So that is up until the end of May. And then there's a bunch more dates in June as well. I'll go into them another time. Thank you to those of you who have been donating recently. I normally like to read out the names of anyone that's become a subscription donor, but last night I finally got round to one of my reply to all the emails saying thank you, Jags, and spent two hours on a train doing that. Um, So I'm afraid none of those are at my fingertips. What I will do, however, is read to you a lovely email from someone who donated to the show, wanting, as he did, to support the podcast with something a bit financial, just a pound, two pounds, five or ten pounds a month if you're an absolute hard core beast. Um, But uh, this is an email from Gareth, who uh, I thanked him for his donation, and he replied saying, your podcast is a central part of my car journeys to Wexford in the south of Ireland where I live to teach guitar. You and Adam Buxton normally going toe-to-toe in podcast championships. I fancy Adam would catch you with some dirty punches, but my money's on you for stamina and technique. Plus, you could make him cry with some carefully crafted questions regarding his desperate need for validation. Formulaic but effective. And then there's a little emoji of a winky face. Um, I think that's beautifully written. Who would win in a podcast-off between me and Buxton? My money's on Dr Buckles. He's a heavyweight, right? Plus these dirty punches. I don't know where, where I'm hearing about these from. But I love the idea. I love the idea that anyone would think I had stamina in any capacity at all. So thank you very much to Gareth uh, for that lovely email, for your donation, and indeed to all of those of you who are getting on board the Let's Financially Support the Podcast train. Uh, and as I mentioned before, we are edging ever closer to a big revelation about um, something pretty exciting that is going to be purely for recurring subscription payment people i'm trying to make it work for everyone patreon basically makes it easy to give people extra stuff um, but i am trying to not tie this to one system it's incredibly difficult and time consuming but i'm kind of enjoying it in the way that i am a always a frustrated tiny empire builder more news on that soon but there has quite literally never been a better time to sign up for a subscription payment at comedianscomedian.com forward slash donate Now, let's get back to the wonderful, the miraculous, the uniquely talented Maria Bamford. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. So in terms of how you create it, something like the conversation I was having with my friends after your show the other night was that you are such a complete, you're such a comprehensive package of, of a comedian because you have like the incredible voice element. We'll yeah. get onto that. You've got stories nested within within premises like your you never just describe a thing it's always built into a brilliantly kind of fanciful premise you know when you're talking about your experience on the psych ward seeing that through the eyes of a set dresser yeah yeah you're doing this almost like an additional level of something else to enjoy something to enjoy at the same time or you're talking about you know christianity and and your atheism and your mother's religiousness through the concept of you know, trying to score points off yeah, each yeah, other yeah. in a competition. <laughs> or I was, I, was listening, I was watching Old Baby on the way here on the train and that element of your um, uh, doing the Sudoku of yeah. your your kind of joint, you know, you and your yeah, husband's yeah. joint. You see the point yeah, I'm yeah, making? Yeah, yeah. Everything is nested within oh. everything else. And then you've got these incredible sort of sentences where the, the punchline is simply a way of describing something. Oh. That's one of the most exciting things to hear oh, as a comic. Where, you know what I mean? The punchline isn't, not always, but it, it yeah, isn't yeah. A to B and therefore, you know, yeah, a yeah, reversal yeah. of the idea. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, there are things which are simply huge punchlines just from a, just from the perfect turn of phrase. Oh. So oh, I think my question is, how do you do all that? Oh, <laughs> oh I, I, well, I, I, I don't. Or what, what, what do you do? What do you do now? What have you learned in the last ten years? What's different about how you write now? I think, well, I think it's always the same, and that I think is the most humbling part of it. In that I really love talking to new comedians, like just because. I, on some level, have lost that drive, you know, of like creation of like going. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, this is an awful thing to say, but um, I've uh, I learned that money, uh, money, property, and prestige don't uh, don't uh, solve anything the easy way. <laughs> um, I learned it uh, the easy way, and uh, so I'm um, yeah. But to 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 just like how are they creating new things? And um, uh, so for me, it, it's it's always uh, been the same way, where it's uh, like. Um, start from scratch and go, oh, this, oh, I'm so excited. This is the greatest idea ever. Oh, no, it's shit. And then, you know, kind of going back and forth and then just going, well, this is what I have. And then, <laughs> and then uh, just keep keep doing it and uh, keep uh, developing it, uh, e- even, even if it seems like it's not going anywhere. And, um, yeah, and, and I would say... It's if anything, for me, sometimes it, it's gotten harder as I get older because I because there isn't that carrot at the end of this where I go, oh, once I do a half hour, an hour, 
I'm going to, that's when I'm going to feel great and I'm going to know I was a great comedian. And it's like, nope. Then right after you do an hour or whatever, somebody goes, so what's your next? So you doing anything? I mean, especially like our society is just sped up. Like we've just sped up more. Like I, you know, I've no um, comedians here, like 200 dates a year or five, 50. It's like, it's just, there's just more, you know? So, so just calm down, Maria, and just work on what you have in front of you. And, um, yeah, lately I've been, uh, yeah, obsessed with, I mean, I, I am, always am kind of obsessed with, um, morality and, and religion and things like that. And so, uh, and then I do, I love the idea of sports and, um, and that it is kind of a religious experience for people. I mean, I think it is, it's not just it, like, uh, it is, um, you know, brings people to tears and rage and, and connection. And, um, and I don't have that experience with those things at all. So I would like to, um, so I think bringing those things together in a way where I can beat my mom and at Christianity, uh, <laughs> Is uh, compelling to me. Yeah. Is, is that something that you can, with that bit, do you realise that after, now that that bit exists? Yeah. Or was that an attempt to combine the two? Did that idea come in? Well, I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea of sport. I'm fascinated by the idea of religion and the similarities between them. Maybe I'll try writing a bit where those two things come together. Which well, way around did it happen? Well, I think how that came about is I... As a kid, I, I loved those stories. I loved, the, like, uh, The Good Samaritan. I was like, right on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was like, Mom, there's this guy. He's covered in newspapers. His name's Francis. Let's have him over. And um, my mom was like, oh, honey, no. And just the feeling of, like, oh, oh, like, the disconnection, and not saying my mom's a bad person, and she, maybe she was right. I mean, the guy would, he was, uh, he would highlight things and swear at odd intervals. So maybe she was right to not have him over the house. I don't know. Um, but just that conflict within myself, especially now I am not an underdog anymore. Uh, uh, the business of uh, made, um, as a result of doing this special for Netflix and the and season of TV show, I uh, made a grossed about $1.6 million last year, which is the most I've ever made in my entire life. But And it's the business, not myself. I uh, think I took in about 500000 or whatever I, I paid myself. But, you know, so I am no longer uh, the destitute, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have a pool. And, <laughs> and so uh, what am I doing? You know, what am I doing? Am I... Because uh, I, I think that's something to me as a comedian has been a place of of uh, safety of going. Well, I'm struggling, so I'm not totally responsible for what's going on in the world. Yes, yes. And now it's like, wow, yeah, you're making a choice, and I, I yeah, I, I am. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say. But but yeah, I should be giving more than my fair share uh, back. So I, I do joke about that, that my husband and I aren't giving 11%, which we are giving 11%, but often I think, oh man, we should be giving, as far as what I've said, 
about wealth or whatever during my act in the past. Like, I just go, I should be given like half. You know, like, I genuinely, and they've done a million studies that you don't need need any of this stuff and uh, or don't need more than $80,000 a year and um, to be happy. So anyways, and, and my husband and I have talked about that. <laughs> We're not sure uh, uh, what... Uh, what we're going to do about it, but we'd like to, yeah, to like how to uh, follow through on that. I, my dream with this sitcom that I did for Netflix, I kind of wanted it to be like a nonprofit sitcom. Oh, God, that would be so great. Oh, I desperately <laughs> want it. And, but they were, it was already, I already have so little um, willingness in terms of uh, dealing with other people. Like I... I didn't have the energy uh, and or, yeah, it's, it's hard to say whether it's laziness. It's probably laziness that I could not get it together to get, get people together. But I, I am working on a new project where this um, developer and, and we're, we ha- are going to put it in from the beginning that all of uh, merch sales, we were working on an animated series for kids, all all merch and um, hopefully a percentage of the profits made by that will go to uh, children's advocacy programs. So anyways, that's, uh, anyways, we'll see. Ho- hopefully that will happen. But it seems like those things are so, it seems so hard to stand up for yourself. Like I didn't realize, and that's part of the reason I do stand up is because I can say exactly what I want and I don't have to discuss it with 12 people and get their feedback and TV shows, um, on my own television show, I made uh, definitely uh, did not speak up a lot in in ways that I I regret, of course. Now, um, I think it turned out great. Uh, to, I mean, a, f- a few things I, I I definitely apologize for. There was some um, things about uh, a bisexual meth addict, which turned out to be very just sort of a cardboard cutout thing. And, and actually, I've, I've dated two people who are bisexual who had methamphetamine problems. So it wasn't from a lack of experience with it, but I could, I just should have made it a more uh, nuanced character uh, than... Uh, yeah, there were just a, a few things that I I could have addressed better, I think, in the in the show that I didn't, I didn't do. And uh, partially, yeah, just partially wanting to be, wanting to go, oh, I want everyone to have a good time. Like, I wanted everybody on the writing staff, like, yeah, you get your ideas in too. Like, but then part of it out of pure sloth, you know, of just like, listen, you guys, you guys do it. I, I'm going to go out and just stand up and say, you know, because I, I don't know how to write scripts or don't have the uh, desire to learn how to write scripts. And I, you know, I did not, I was executive producer on the show, which meant, uh, which can mean so many things. But for me, it meant I went in, ate a salad and, uh, said, you guys want to hear some stories about what I think about things? No. Okay. I'll be back. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, is that, did you did that feel did that element of it make you feel vulnerable handing over what what in their eyes or some of their eyes and certainly the producers' eyes is the brand but to you is your life and your very carefully kind of moderated and and uh, honed version of as much of as much as you want to share yeah. you're handing that over into someone else's 
And I think earlier in life, maybe, but I, I feel like I've gotten out my perspective so many times, you know, whether it's in stand-up or I did a web series, you know, the Brain Banford Show, and I feel like I really got out my perspective and what, uh, so the things that were important to me, which also didn't fully come across to me uh, in the show. Um, like, I wish, and I, again, I, I, did, I just didn't fight for it. One thing that really bums me out is, like, when they try to make it as if stuff's going on during us. Uh, uh, any kind of hospital, I mean, I'm sure people have their own pet peeves of, like, I've had that experience, and it was not at all like that. And I know there's, because it's comedy, they had to have an opportunity for story or have people in there with me doing things and characters in the, but I I just think it's so much more hilarious. For me, it would have been more hilarious if it had been uh, actually what it was, which is nothing happening, just absolutely uh, no one's communicating. There was one person who was manic, who was um, Turner was a comedian I knew, and he uh, was booking gigs on on a telephone, which was hilarious. He had just uh, uh, assaulted someone with a knife, uh, and uh, so was in the psych ward, I think, to get away from a possible uh, jailing, and uh, but was booking gigs up in Washington this day, which was I as a memory so delightful. And I was so jealous of him. I was like, God, I wish I was bipolar one, you know, with bipolar, because I think he was in a, a psychotic state, which is, that's a terrible thing to think, but it was what I thought at the time. Anyways, uh, but the truth is you, you can't do anything at all. Like I, I didn't uh, do anything or, or connect with anybody or have, uh, you know, we weren't making stuff. I mean, nothing like a vision board or uh, it was, yeah. It just that bothers me. Like I just go, um, I'd, I'd rather have it more completely realistic. Um, but, but at the same time, um, you know, uh, also uh, maybe it was the, that way. F- it, it was part of storytelling. So, so. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how writing stories works in in a visual sense on on screen. So, um, but but that was interesting to me to kind of let go of, or maybe a part of aging and just going and greed. You know, going oh, I would just like to get paid, and uh, you do whatever you want with this. And it, there were some things my my sister bowed out like she didn't want to be portrayed during the show, uh, which I think was a good idea on her part because the character ended up being very um, mean mean spirited towards me so much so it was like, yeah, it wasn't very much like my actual sister because my actual you know anyways. But I've already portrayed my sister on stage and you know I so. And who cares? Who cares? There's a billion television shows. <laughs> like, it's, who cares? Um, so th- that's that's kind of um, yeah. It wasn't very precious to me at that point. Uh, to uh, I, th- I think I, I did get anxious. Like I, um, yeah. Other things about inclusion writers, which is now a very new. Th- like I have wanted to have the staff be you know, uh, half women, people of color that, you know, and that, that didn't happen. Um, 
there were some women, I think uh, four out of 12, uh, and the head writer was a woman, um, Pam Brady. She's a delight. I mean, everybody was on it. was amazing. Writers, great. But I think uh, I definitely could have said, hey, let's go out of our way because it's there's plenty of people. There's mm-hmm. plenty of people. And, um, and, and I think in that sense, um, getting different perspectives only makes things better, you know, or more interesting. Like I just, um, and, 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 and yeah, more vulnerable and, and yeah. So I think that, uh, those are things I, I feel like I, I regret about, but maybe, uh, maybe can, uh, work towards doing it, doing that in this next thing. I mean, that's the whole thing. You always find a new thing you're working on and go, Oh, this, I'm going to do this differently this time. So, uh, and is that is that the second series of Lady Dynamite? Oh no 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 no! That's done. Uh, okay. Lady Dynamite is cancelled. Okay. Are you just finding out? I'm just finding, finding out. out. Oh, I'm so sorry. No no, 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 that's okay. I thought oh. I had read earlier that it was that there was a second series. Oh, there's a second season, um, oh, but uh, there's two seasons, um, but it's done. It's okay. done. Which I uh, so I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> it mes- <laughs> makes me less attractive as a podcast. I'm <laughs> no, so sorry. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but it is true. Like immediately, as, if something is canceled, um, like I had a comic come up to me and just like just like, yeah, I heard it was canceled. Well. Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess you can still keep doing stand up. You know, it's weird how your wow. your prestige dips so quickly. But, well, I don't know. There's, there's there's prestige and there's prestige, isn't there? There's other people who are jealous <laughs> saying things like that because of their problems. And then I suppose there's also your take on the situation. Like, I can't imagine anyone that I've ever had on the show saying something like. Oh no, there there isn't a second thing. Does that make me less of an interesting guest? Yes, yes, yes. You know, that, I know you're joking, but the idea that that would even occur to you. No, yeah. but I think it it does. I mean, it, just in the human aspect of it, it it does. Like you, we're all animals, and you look to the strongest, fastest animal who's doing, you know, seems to be doing the best. And we want Jennifer as a part of, to show us where the bananas yeah, are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just um, so. Yeah, it it totally uh, makes sense, and um, and also like as a part of a a vision. I I hope, um, yeah, I've gotten more than enough success. You know, uh, more more than the average bear. And fr- frankly, it, it is time for other people, other experiences, whatever, to to have a voice. You know, so uh, 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 you know if. If I if I can create jobs, you know that that's what I'm hoping with the animation series to create jobs for people like um, I mean, including myself. Of course, obviously, there's a selfish element to it. How embarrassing! Um, uh, but that hope is to to go. Okay, other people have have a chance uh, to to work um, because it's um, I'm I'm tired of my own voice. Um, yeah. When we talk about other voices in the animation series, and I know your your animation CV is your resume is is, in, is enormous. You've you've been at everything. Yeah. Um, what's the relationship between the voices and the writing process? It sort of puts me in mind of you as a girl or as a, a comic looking at yourself in the mirror building material through the voices or building is that part of it or is it do the voices come as a sort of an expression of when the idea is finished and you need to uh, I think they're a defensive mechanism 
I mean, they're like very much uh, my own voice is uh, has it's been told to me uh, is not always attractive or you know uh, what you know you sound like a baby or something. So I yeah, it's kind of like a trick or I mean. Which, I mean, that's that's a very negative interpretation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of it. it kind of is. <laughs> right, I'm so sorry. Uh, but that the fun part of it for me is, or the part that that um, is joyful for me is to feel like lost in a character, to feel like you know, and to feel like I really because uh, all of it. I mean, when you do act out of character it's obviously it's me you know it's not it's not there's no person out there it's like no I've said that you know like I've either said that to myself or um or felt that about myself or um I mean some things my my parents have actually said but um the way I'm saying them probably isn't the way they meant it or if they could you know yeah if they had a chance to speak for themselves they'd go oh I you know didn't mean it that way you know I don't know but uh, yeah, and I only I don't do that many. I only do about six. I would say voices. Well, I'm just thinking now. There's one of my favorites is the kind of Hispanic uh, or Latino kind of. I think of her as a sort of not quite a nurse or like a nail technician. There's some sort of oh. I, I can't. Maybe I'm using the wrong. Uh, I don't know many Hispanic or Latino yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I know it's okay to say those yeah, terms. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which do you know the one? Oh, I mean, when, this, when this... She, oh, when did she, I call the um, the hotline, mental health hotline, and um, um, and I don't do that joke anymore, partially because I didn't want to uh, co-opt, because uh, because there has been so much uh, issue with that, um, and I want to be respectful to people. Like to go, oh yeah, uh, me doing an impersonation of somebody. You know, and it was something that actually happened. Like um, I, a woman, she said. Uh, it was like um, it was a mental health hotline for my insurance, and the woman was so hilarious because she was like, you know, you should go see, you know, some comedy, and you know, you're, you know, that's, you know, that's crazy. Some of the stuff you're thinking about, and it was really, it, it actually, you know, it was helpful, you know, in how funny it was. But yeah, I don't, I don't do that one because I okay. just, yeah, the, yeah. That, I mean, I hadn't thought of that at all. Until yeah, that's a good point. It's 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 a real uh, and you know I, I think I think that's for good because um, it's one thing if uh, the equal amount of uh, people were given uh, the um, a microphone to uh, express themselves in uh, our society in the United States, but uh, that is not the case. It is still uh, primarily white men on TV. Mm-hmm. So uh, until that's different, yeah, Marie, why don't you uh, shut the fuck up? You know, like that. The, 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 there's other things. It, it, it isn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I just think unless it's. Uh, it, that I I can think of uh, something else to talk about, or uh, yeah, or come from my because I, like I feel like um, I, I do this uh, sexual fantasies um, uh, about social issues that yeah, I use yeah, yeah. the genre of uh, intractable social issues, and at first I was like, oh well, I was like, oh I could use different. Um, 
dialects or different. And I was like, no, jackass. Talk about it from the limited, sad, the sad uh, w- limit of knowledge that you have about these issues. Like that, that's enough. And, and, um, uh, you don't have to pretend that you know what's going on, that, you know, I'm clearly not woke in any way. I don't, uh, you know, uh, please feel free to wake me up uh, whenever I'm saying something completely tone deaf. Because, uh, uh, and, and not to be afraid of not, of not saying things, but to to be uh, respectful and to be kind. You know, I, I think that can definitely be a part of of comedy, like uh, to, uh, to uh, yeah, that... Uh, that whole thing of, um, yeah, like, okay, and I, I, I can't even think of an example of this, but just in terms of, as a woman, if somebody do, guy is doing a joke about um, rape, um, and, uh, or I'm trying to think of something that I feel vulnerable about. Oh, this is a perfect one. Uh, sometimes I've had it where, uh, after I've gone up, comedian has said, uh, oh, wow, she's crazy. Uh, all those voices, I bet she's a, you know, a, a psycho or, you know. And you just go, eh, you know, okay, funny to somebody, but uh, it was kind of a punch down, unless unless that guy's going to say, yeah, I have mental health issues too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's basically kind of, you know, so I just think, I don't know. I think there is not um, not so. I don't. I don't want to talk about censorship, but also, I think there can be k- kindness. I think there's just a difference uh, between that. Like um, my husband and I, uh, I was um, oh in that same book, social issues. Mm-hmm. So he um, does a, a thing where we go to a um, give a massage, and he was like, hey you kind of make me sound kind of cardboard cutout, sort of like a two-dimensional character. And I'm like, oh, yes, you are right. Oh, my God, you know. And so we wrote, rewrote it together, um, because which was turned out is funnier and also more accurate. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, and I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a huge gray area that I'm not uh, – uh, getting at, but um, yeah. I, I think when you do the kind of the higher status voices, when you do your mother or your sister attacking you yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah, some yeah. previous albums, um, uh, I, those impressions I think are so good. I sort of understand the the um, the risk that you feel that you've expressed that you're kind of taking because they are such lacerating impressions like right. they are you're so gifted at that kind of caricature you know the way you'll see someone like a brilliant uh, mime or a street clown might do an impersonation of someone walking past and just in their walk you see that person's hypocrisies exposed right right you do this yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing with, with the voices you know yeah 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 like in in every twang and intonation yeah, yeah. and breath you hear the sort of the hypocrisy of your sister or whatever you know well that's i do and and part of it is i mean it's again it's part of myself like i had this i this one joke I would do about a comedian who came up to me who was perfectly nice he 
but I had just gotten out of the psych ward and I was just very wobbly trying to do stand up again. And I, it, people had known, um, that I, I, what happened, I had to cancel like six shows in Chicago uh, quite suddenly because the night of I couldn't speak. I was like going, uh, uh, like it was really, it was extremely frightening to me. And um, so anyways, had to cancel all these shows. And the guy, <laughs> I'm sure he was trying to relate with me. I mean, we're all just trying to relate with each other. And he was like, yeah, wow, I heard about what happened in Chicago, man. That's never... I've never done that. I've never bailed on a show. No. Um, you know, I had a temperature of 100 and, what was it? No, 495 degrees. I was a temperature of a fully charred pork chop. And, and I still, you know, I did my 90 minutes and then I, you know, because uh, you got to give them what, you know. And then I lost control of my bowels. But, no, you got to, I test myself, you know. Comedy's, you know, it's got to be funny, you know. Uh, you know, and it's got to be funny to everybody. If it's not funny, it is not comedy. I test my shit out. I go to China every year, China, uh, and you know, I, I do, uh, I do not have a visa, and uh, you know, now I've got like a tight five. I've got a bunch of chopstick impersonations, and uh, you know, just just like that, bra, bra uh, that um, what is it? What is it? Bragadocio or the the uh, Bragadocio, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, and so, yeah. machismo of like which I love as a comedian. Like I can fucking kill. I just destroyed. You know, I can go up against any crowd. You know, and I love that about comedy. Like I love to embrace that. Of go like, yeah, I just did a show. Totally bomb. Who cares? <laughs> Fuck that. Or you know, like yeah, I just did three shows on a Saturday night. You know. Sold about a thousand dollars worth of merch. You know, I love that part of comedy. But at the time, you know, I was just like, "Yeah, man, I, yeah, I, oh, oh well," because I, I, I didn't want to go up and do the show because I couldn't think or talk, and uh, I just thought that wouldn't be as funny as I'd hoped. And um, you know, I, I totally relate. You know, some people are uh, can do shows on um, while having major psychiatric breakdowns. I ha- I haven't. Uh, I-, I also didn't want to. Part of it was fear. I didn't want to break down on stage. Uh, part of it was also responsibility going, I don't want to do a, have a horrifying show for people. You know, do, uh, and some people love that kind of show. Charlie Sheen uh, was touring. Uh, sure, during, yeah. You know, all right. Uh and maybe it was a great show, and maybe I mean I can understand uh, he wanted to do those shows. So f- fantastic! Um, and I don't know, I wasn't at those shows, so I don't know how they went. But um, anyway, so all of that is just me angrily uh, trying to respond to someone rather than saying in the moment, "Hey, why don't you shut up?" <laughs> 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 I love to I love to just act out things. Uh, you know, whatever, years later, uh, I should have just told him, hey, man, <laughs> I get it. You had a f- had the flu, you know, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, and, and I felt so ashamed of uh, that, that I had to ca- that I ended up canceling the shows like I felt ashamed that I didn't see it coming. Like I, I remember the week before those shows, I I wasn't able to, like, I was just slowly, like, losing it, and I kept trying to run my material with other comics going, do you think I'm okay? Like, I kept saying to people, hey, do you think I'm, uh, do I seem okay to you? And they're all like, yeah, you seem fine. Yeah, oh, you're going to be fine. Because, you know, everybody thinks you look fine, or you, as long as you're, uh, 
standing upright. It's like, yeah, you can do a show. Yeah. And um, yeah, we've all talked to each other out. Yeah, out, yeah. You know, talked to each other up. Like, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. I, I think that the, the the kind of the catastrophic breakdown yeah, that you're yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about is so far out with anyone's experience or yeah. ability to judge. Or, or yeah, you have to you have to be there. It has to be you, like in that moment, which. You know, is it bad enough that I have to cancel all these shows? Like, I was bleeding. I cut myself on something. I'd lost all my identification. I was walking around uh, Chicago. I was weeping, and I was just like, I called my mom. I'm just like, what do I, what do I do? And she's like, honey, just go to the airport. You know, get go on Delta Priority. Tell them your gold medallion. Get out of there. Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious because she didn't say, I'm coming to help you. Yeah. She didn't. She, <laughs> you come to me. <laughs> yeah, she's like, uh, but uh, yeah, says, which I love about my mom. She's like, listen, oh no, I've, I've got my book group tonight, so I can't make, I've already got plans, but but she was lovely. She came out to the psych ward and and read Oprah magazine with me, uh, page by page, and uh, uh, needle pointed a pillow, and uh, she was perfectly level. And my mom, she's had a psychiatric breakdown. Do she had a steroid? Uh, she was given a, a steroid, and yeah, she had a psychotic break, um, and so I had to go in the hospital. So, you know, she's been through that, and. Um, yeah, and I think that's one thing I totally value about the comedy community is everyone's just like, oh, right on. You know, like like nothing's <laughs> a big deal. My manager, Bruce Smith, uh, I love you, Bruce. Uh, he, when I called him, you know, to say from the hospital, say I'm, I can't, you know, he was like, oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah, I got two other bipolar clients. All right, <laughs> well, just call me when you want to get out, you know, when you feel like you want to work again. You know, which yeah. also, I mean, I know the reality of business. You know, if <laughs> if I stopped uh, bringing in money uh, for uh, you know, over two years, uh, maybe he'd have to rethink uh, our contract. Uh, but th- there is a sense of of uh, understanding and and uh, and and thoughtfulness, which that I appreciate. But but you know, again, it's also money. I mean, I, I think. Uh, from my from my own point of view, um, I've had uh, people who are, who uh, have had mental illness episodes, who uh, other comedians who have who have died of the illness, and it is it is such an irritating uh, thing <laughs> to deal with uh, when someone is is not well. Um, so I have all the uh, uh, empathy, sympathy in the world for someone who you know if somebody's acting acting out or having um some episode you you don't have to work with them you know you Mm -hmm. can go hey you're not doing well uh you need to get help and (laughs) a professional comedy venue is not the place to get help (laughs) uh you might need to so and we love you and we'll come visit and uh, bring you chocolate because they don't let you have chocolate in there usually do you feel safe now from the danger of that happening again well i mean i think uh if you stay on meds uh if you you know i don't i'm not a real drinker partier i'm also a little older so and i've i've stayed on meds uh consistently so the at least the studies and things that i read they say um if you stay on the meds consistently uh 
there's less chance of an episode. I also have uh, less, I, I think my um, bipolar is, uh, it's type two uh, so far, knock on acrylic, and uh, uh, bipolar one is much more, can be much more severe with uh, rapid cycling, and you know, so, so people can have much different experiences. Also, as you age, it can, um, uh, I've heard poop out, like where it, it gets less as you get older. Maybe it's when you're older, at over 50, when you're, uh, that's what I just heard from my psychiatrist because I'm, I'm moving in on 50. So, um, so uh, I have high hopes is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but, you know, if, if it happened again, the nice, the wonderful thing is that I've told everybody. Yeah, right. So it's no big deal. Everyone's like, all right, you know. Yeah. Which I love that about, I mean, I really appreciate that uh, anybody who's been open about about anything in life, you know, bankruptcy, uh, losing a child, you know, anything where it's like you share something devastating that everyone's afraid of happening. It's like, okay, so it's happened to you. And you, you're still here, and you're still managing to, you know, uh, laugh, and uh, that's what I think the arts are for: is just to be able to remind each other that we're not alone, uh, or or to make a lot of money. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just. We must wrap up, yeah, but yes, I'm just okay. interested in the relationship between your bipolar and your day-to-day happiness and the extent to which you can kind of when that isn't when when you're not suffering from an episode yeah what's the relationship with your day-to-day happiness and and then consequently with your work and well what is so uh miraculous is that for the past seven years since I got on this medication uh regimen which is uh Depakote I'm on uh 750 milligrams of Depakote, which is a mood stabilizer, uh, antipsychotic Seroquel, 25 milligrams, and then uh, 40 milligrams of Prozac. Uh, that, uh, for whatever reason, I do have not had uh, any suicidal ideation, really, or um, any episodes of... I mean, for my entire life, since the age of 10 onward, I had probably daily weeping, um, those, uh, would stay up all night, uh, you know, having to vacuum (laughs) and getting a lot of, so much great writing done. Oh my God. Um, so, and, and having tons of energy, uh, um, but also having tons of energy to, uh, kind of do self-destructive things. Uh, one night stands with strangers, uh, you know, all the things that, uh, go along with uh, being depressed, like, uh, uh, yeah, wanting to kill myself, planning to kill myself all the time. Uh, and, I, it, it, and I didn't really, I don't, I think it was all ideation up until I was about 40. And then I was like, oh no, this is, I'm done. You know, like, you know, so, um, uh, yeah, so it really is not an issue for me any, anymore on some level. Um, the, I guess the one thing that is, yeah, I mean, there's some ongoing things where I have some anxieties about uh, uh, that I have always had, um, just, um, 
yeah, wanting to be good at something, you know, wanting to be uh, liked and stuff like that. But I don't think any more than an average bear. Like I, I seem to be have have the experience that other people have of like, oh, we had we just had fun the other night. Like I never used to understand what people were talking about when they're like, oh, it's just, oh, it was, yeah, it was just fun. I'd be like, what do you mean by that? Like, was it? like a set of excruciating circumstances that I I haven't had before like like I just I mean it not there there are some highs but I I I had a lot it was mostly depression and then agitated depression um um uh yeah agitated yeah so I and I think that did help me with comedy I thought could get very obsessed about uh you know doing five shows a night, you know, I could be isolated. I mean, OCD really helped me because I didn't want to be with people at all. Uh, so I would spend a lot of time rehearsing and just going to shows uh, and not speaking to anyone. Um, but, um, and so now I definitely have a more full life. Whether that makes me a worse comedian, oh well. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that, that's a great answer. <laughs> Yeah, would you have? Would you? Would you have swapped it? I think that's a terrible question. Would you? You know, what I mean, it, it's such a part of. It sounds like it's such a part of not only the things that you talk about, the means by which you're able to talk about them. Yeah. And if you are happy with your life as a comic and your output as yeah. a comic, and I, I think I could trade it because it, yeah. it. That's a you know, twenty years is a twenty. Gosh, 25, 30, 30 years to go with thinking about suicide all the time. Mm, I think I, I would have been, uh, I've been good without that. I think, <laughs> I think uh, that would have been fine. Yeah, I just think uh, that uh, that's not necessary for a, a good life. I'm, uh, yeah, because uh, I mean, whatever fame or the feeling that you're good at your job is so fleeting uh so and I think feeling good over you know having good memories is is everything you know like you're having a good life where you can enjoy things and have friendships and relationships which I did not have a lot of um in terms of um yeah just it didn't feel like I had um hanging out like hanging out like where people go and do things I just didn't didn't enjoy doing that um and now I'm doing that and it's like ah what a delight went out to Chinese restaurant with a bunch of comedians last night so fun and um um yeah so uh yeah I I think I'd trade it in a heartbeat because <laughs> uh, who knows I'd have wonderful stories of a bland uh uh, happy times. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Thank you. So that was Maria. What a joy. What an unalloyed joy to talk to her, to watch her perform. Oh, and I should say as well, when I saw her show at uh, Leicester Square Theatre, her opening act was Felicity Ward, friend of the show. She will have been on this show maybe a hundred episodes ago, something like that. The the numbers escape me for now. Um, But she has always been brilliant. And holy hell, watching her do a 20-minute opening set before her hero... 
Um, and, and Felicity made no bones about the fact that she is as much of a, uh, a Maria Bamford fan as any of us, myself included. Um, it was such a joy to watch Felicity just destroy arguably walking similar territory to Maria, but with a completely different rhythm, a completely different approach and energy. She was the perfect choice to support Maria Bamford, and um, she just took the roof off. And it's so lovely to see someone whose work you know and love just tearing the roof off. And you can see people... I was sat at the back of the room, and I could see people being converted. You know, when you you watch an audience, they're laughing, and then as soon as Felicity left, the audience were all turning to each other like, who was that? We've got to find her stuff. So um, I just wanted to make a little honourable mention for Felicity for being such an excellent uh, stand-up in that capacity in particular. That's everything. Thank you very much to Angel Comedy um, for giving me the... for for Let's Imagine giving me the recording space for this one. Thanks, Angel Comedy, you bunch of great guys. Um, thanks to Nathan Wood. Thank you to Matt Hoss for some of his logging duties recently. He's currently working on a podcast with Tez Ilias, which is going to be coming to you, if not next week, then pretty soon. Um, and uh, thank you to Bruce Smith, Maria's agent, with whom I've been having some really hilarious correspondence over the last three years as we try to make this happen. Thanks to Maria for coming along, her family for letting her come and uh, spend an hour of their holiday time together uh, talking to me, and thank you to Georgie Donnelly and Felicity Ward for their part in helping to make this happen. That's it for now. I will have a little post-amble with you in just a moment. Do not miss Mike Babiglia at the Leicester Square Theatre. I'll stick around for a post-amble if you will. But if not, that concludes the podcast. So something that I've really uh, been doing in the last week, my wife has been rather poorly. And uh, as a result, I have ditched a load of work that I was planning to do, and which is one of the great things about being freelance. You just go, no, let's let all of these projects just rack up and fill my email inbox for another week. Um, there are so few things about f- freelance lifestyle that... Um, there's a lot of very positive things, of course, but the the freedom is a big one. And I suppose now that I'm a parent, there is less and less freedom. So I relish it in a different way. But this week with my co-partner, my life partner being poorly, uh, I've been doing loads of solo parenting and it's been so much fun. I mean, I feel I feel terrible that she's been sort of sick in bed and uh, me and the boy have been uh, trying to minister to her. And he is, hey, do you know what? I, I don't often talk about parenting uh, in the post-amble, so maybe I'll just let myself do that for a bit now. You can probably turn off if this makes your blood boil. Um, but, God, he's hilarious. He's so funny now. He's so talkative. We were we were listening to... So he just strings... He's only sort of two and a bit, and he strings these great long sentences together. Um, we were in the car, and we put some music on the radio, just sort of something random. He's got very specific tastes, um, but sometimes we just put the radio on to save us from either Lady Gaga or the Lion King or whatever else he's into. Um, but... I put the radio on and it was a female vocalist and some pumping electronic music. And he said, it's not Lady Gaga. It's a different type of Lady Gaga. Oh, my God. He's only two. <laughs> like, I didn't even know he knew the word type. But there's something so joyful and startling about a child's language as it develops and grows. And you start to recognise, oh, he's comparing a thing to another thing. He's recognising that these things are a subset of those things or whatever it is. Um, it's it's absolutely joyful. But um, 
taking the 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 reins, as it were, for myself. Not that he wears reins. Who puts kids in reins? That's one of those things, like, he's never had a dummy. And I don't understand why people need dummies. I will probably get the whole of mum's net descending on me now, explaining that actually some people do need dummies. Um, I'm, I'm sure they do, but I, I thought I thought babies had dummies, and we never gave them a dummy, and now he's never had a dummy. And I've, I've every so often you see a kid with reins. Are those particularly hyperactive nutcase kids that run off at the drop of a hat? Is that what it is? Maybe it's that. But um, anyway, the point is, all parenting styles are acceptable. Not all of them, but you know, don't don't be judging. Don't be. What is it? John Hegley says before you complain about the muck on someone else's glasses. Check the mark on your own glasses. Um, I've minced that. I've butchered it, I'm sure. But um, the point is, it's been a really interesting and fun time because now, and anyone who's seen my last two shows will know that one of the things I was struggling with is the sort of one-to-one time with the boy before he was a boy, when he was just a baby. And now he's got opinions on stuff. And it is a whole new world of possibilities, of conversation, of talking him through things, of asking him things. It's a whole new world. And I suppose in in my kind of um in in the in the pre-toddler period where the, the child is just a sort of a little cocoon thing that you have to change and look after and prevent from crying and cope with crying and all of those things. A little cocoon thing, how 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 beautifully put, you know, with the human mind. Um the that period was quite long and uh, and now that we're out of that and into the next bit it's just i'm experiencing this real flourishing and uh, it's just so much fun so much fun to hear his opinions on stuff i don't like he says about things i don't like he's got this weird he's got this weird accent it's partly uh, minnesotan i'm sure of it i think me and his mum we, we were really into fargo uh, the TV series, and as a result, we would speak to each other in cod Minnesotan accents during the first months of his life. And I really think something's rubbed off because I think, I mean, could he be Minnesotan? Is that how genetics work? Who knows? Um, he uh, he just, he, oh man, this is this is the worst post apple ever. This is just me going, oh, my kid's amazing. But look, I haven't made you go through many of these recently i suppose with this being the maria bamford episode there should be a post amble that is more directly related to mental health or self-care or not simply because there's some of the challenges that maria's had to go through but also the 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 basis of some of her material has been that i don't think i'm reducing her to just someone who who has had mental health issues um but We've done a lot of that recently. And the more, this is nice. You know, people, you know you. You sometimes email me. You know when you email me. (laughs) Sometimes you email me from the perspective of like, oh, I'm three years behind on the podcast, so I've just started to hear about X, Y, Z. And I get a real sense of like, I might get an email from you saying, um, oh, I hope everything works out with your kid. And then I might, might the next email I might look at, also from you, might say something like, oh, really pleased that you, uh, you know, I've just got to the bit where you finished your journey with your therapist. And uh, <laughs> it's just amazing to have the last five years of my life story reflected back at me um, in such a kaleidoscopic manner. It's, um, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, I suppose it's 
it's just the same as looking through an old photo album, except it happens on a more random and exciting basis with other people's input and other people's description. It's like looking at a photo album of photos of you that you haven't seen before. How exciting is that when someone you're around someone's house or, or, or someone shows you a thing on Facebook or whatever, where you you see a photo of you and you don't remember it being taken and it's clearly you, but it's a time in your life that you only really remember and visualise through photos that you yourself either took or, you know, you, photos that you've known for years. And, and the way when you have a photo of something, then that photo kind of replaces a lot of the, it crystallises a lot of the more swimmy memories and you go, oh yeah, I remember that. And actually, a lot of the time what you're remembering is seeing that photo. So when you see another photo of yourself that someone else took and that you've never seen before. And you're like, oh my God, I remember I used to wear those. Wham! That happens quite a lot when you email me in a sort of microcosmic way based on this podcast. And um, I think all I'm trying to say is, I'm still pretty chipper. I'm pretty happy. And uh, it's really satisfying. And I think part of it has been with the increased workload with the boy of late, of late of the last two years and specifically this week, I just haven't had time to wallow. I haven't had time. It's actually been really good for me. I I think, um, I mean, of course it's been good. Of course having a child's been good for me. But what I mean is not simply the presence of the little guy, but also the vast mountain of other shit I've got to be doing and the fact that I don't really ever look out of the window anymore. I'm only assuming there's still a sky because I used to spend a lot of time reflecting on stuff and listening to songs that made me feel all bittersweet and going, oh, I remember this memory or other. Bloody well, I haven't got time for that now. I feel like I've compressed all of the air out of my uh, out of my life. There's no, there's no wandering, there's no wondering. Um, I have to make, I have to deliberately make an effort to wonder about stuff. I write in the car now. Did I mention that? Not physically, but... I that's the only time I get to look out the window and I, I'm looking straight forward the entire time. But I'm finding that time very valuable in a kind of a churning away, cogitating. Do you remember Mike Gunn talking about writing and then going for a run or going for a walk and then letting the kind of the back brain churn through the ideas and then sitting down for the second half of that writing session? Well, I feel like I've been doing that, but without having to do the exercise. Oh, dear. This is not a long term plan for the future. Gotta get healthy doing something. This, even by the standards of a rambling postamble, is awful. <laughs> is it? Bits of that were good. If only it were possible to edit this down to the best minute. You wouldn't want to hear that. You don't listen to it anyway. But thanks for emailing me, you. And um, please continue to do so. I'm going to get on with the next 150 things in the tiny empire. Uh, thanks for listening. I enjoyed this episode so much. It was so, so satisfying. And this is one of those ones, like the Patton one, that, and like the Brian Regan one, it's just one of those ones I will listen to like years from now. It's, it's in my own kind of photo album in my heart where I'll listen back to it and go, oh, remember that time I had that lovely conversation with Maria Bamford? Mwah! She's a genius. Speak to you soon. <laughs> When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.